In the name of the crucified and risen Christ, amen. We only hear the voice of God the Father twice in the Gospels, just twice. One of them was actually in the story we heard last week, the story of the transfiguration that comes midway through Jesus' ministry. When Jesus is up on the mountain, met by Moses and Elijah, wonderfully pictured in the chapel over there, and he is transfigured before his three disciples. And they are awestruck, understandably. And they hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Good advice just then because it is the midpoint, the turning point, and after the transfiguration, Jesus will head down that mountain, gather up his disciples, and they will be journeying to Jerusalem and to the cross. There is much that is hard after that moment of glory, and they will need to listen to him. They don't, actually, but they have at least been told that they should. The other time that we actually hear the voice of God the Father comes right before this morning's story, because right before this morning's story is Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. And there, we actually overhear the Father saying to Jesus, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's it, those two times. This is my beloved son, you are my beloved son. And then that same spirit that at baptism descends like a dove leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Some of the accounts say compelled him into the desert, pushing him into the desert. But however Jesus gets there, he is indeed tempted. And it's Jesus and the devil which would seem to be way out of our league. But the reality is that I believe those temptations are very much temptations we know. And that it's worth, as we enter into this Lenten season, taking a look at those. Now, we all know what temptation is. It's the call to do something we know we shouldn't do. And in this case, the devil comes up with scriptural justifications and we can come up with our own justifications when we're feeling particularly tempted. The first temptation, and we know Jesus is famished, is to turn stones into bread. Not unreasonable. He could do it. He's famished. And yet what is so striking here and where I think we connect to it is that it is really the temptation to take care of yourself, to look after yourself. And when we're feeling called to really take care of ourselves, the justification we use is that I'll be so much better able to take care of other people if I take care of myself first. And there is some truth to that. That's why in the airlines, they always remind us, put your own mask on first before you help somebody else. There is some truth to that. But Jesus didn't come to take care of himself. And so we see the alternative to this 
as the gospel continues, because every gospel tells us that Jesus fed at least 5,000 people at one go, at least 5,000 people. And the story is fascinating because Jesus has been teaching, the crowds are all gathered together, it is getting late, and it's the disciples who say, it's getting late, we don't have much food, send them home. We need to take care of ourselves. You need to take care of yourself. And Jesus says, no, we need to take care of everybody. We are one community. It's not just about me. It's not just about you 12. It's everybody. And so he asked for what they have, which turns out to be not much. But what they have, when it is offered up to God and blessed, turns out not only to be enough, but to be more than enough, to be ample. There's one theory that says that maybe what happened was not that suddenly five loaves fed 5,000, but that suddenly seeing Jesus calling upon God's blessing and seeing Jesus caring for the whole community, everyone pulled out what little bits they had stored away and shared it with their neighbors. Maybe that was it, but either way, it's about you don't just take care of yourself. You take care of the whole community. And then there's the second temptation, a wonderful demonstration of power. Not only is Jesus taken up to a high place, he's taken up to the top of the temple, the holiest site. And so by throwing himself off and being saved, they'll all know he really must be the son of God. Again, doesn't sound like a temptation we face, but we are tempted by safety. We are tempted to protect ourselves and to protect those we love. And again, Jesus will not do something that he knows the people who will be watching cannot do for themselves. And so he again, spurns the devil. The truth is we are tempted to protect ourselves, to look out for ourselves. But I invite you to think about the people who are heroes in this world, true heroes in this world. Think about those who are called the righteous, the righteous non-Jews who risked their lives and often lost their lives to save Jews from the death camps. Think about Medgar Evers or Martin Luther King, who lost their lives to save others. Think about a friend of this parish, Desmond Tutu, who, thank God, did not lose his life, but suffered enormously because of his need not to save himself, but to save others. The righteous, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, Desmond Tutu, all actually had some privilege and some power which they could have used to save themselves. They chose instead to save others, knowing that that's how we find our salvation. And then there is that last temptation, the temptation to worship, and surely no one is planning on worshiping us. But Jesus, first of all, knows the devil does not have the power 
to give the kingdoms of this world. There are plenty of kingdoms then and now which seem to be controlled by those who are evil, but it is not the devil who is ever truly in charge. But what Jesus knows is that its heart, at its heart, worship is love. When we worship God, it is the loving response to the love that we have received. And what Jesus knows and what we know is that love cannot be bought or sold or coerced. Love can only be freely given and freely received. What Jesus does in all three of these temptations is time and time and time again to say, yes, I am the Son of God, and because I am the Son of God, I'm going to choose to be fully human, to stand with those who are hungry, to be with those who know nothing of safety, to risk my love, and perhaps love will come back. Jesus keeps choosing to be human, to be like us, so that in looking at how he is human, we might, in fact, become more like him. It's not easy. God knows. God really knows it's not easy. But it is, in fact, the only way to a whole life in this life and for the next. Amen.